We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that we're going to see him soon. You feel me? All right. Uh, Welcome to a a special post-game edition of the Butting Heads podcast from Rams Talk Radio. Different time for us. We're not usually the post-game a different co-host, Johnny, is unavailable, uh, recovering from a wedding last night, I believe. Uh, but with me is my Roto Baller colleague, Kev Maseregin. I forgot yep. to ask you how to pronounce it. Did I nail it? You're two for two, basically, Ooh. as close as it can get. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, Kev is great to have on the show because he, I will admit, he's much less of a homer than I am as a Rams fan. So I, I think he'll... I, Look, we're coming off a 20 to 13 victory in prime time against Cleveland. Uh, it was a victory. It does not feel feel like it. Uh, but before we get into everything, guys, just to get it out of the way, don't forget give us a five star rating if you haven't on Apple Podcasts. You'll be entered to win a seventy five dollar gift card to NFLShop.com. Uh, send an email to Rams Talk nineteen forty five with a screenshot of your review. Uh, so Derek will know who's giving the review there. Derek actually was at the game tonight, so that's why he's not on this show. Uh, I'm sure he'll have plenty of takes when Ramstock Radio comes back later in the week. Uh, but look, if it's a good ad, Derek will read it on the air. If you want me to read it on the air, just tell me. Uh, and, of course, you can get our show wherever you get your podcasts. If we're not there, let us know. We'll get there. Uh, don't forget to check out the other shows on the feed. Rams Brothers, Rampage Radio, Rams Talk Radio, Rams Uncensored. Because uh, there's going to be a lot of lot to talk about on this about this game and we're not gonna be able to get to everything today but like i said prime time on the road the the browns if you listen to my podcast last week kev i don't know if you did but like the browns no, suck sorry about that <laughs> it's all good but like <laughs> my bad okay the browns suck the the browns are not good uh i went to the I, jets I game yeah i went to the jets game last week they did not look good 
their entire secondary didn't play today. Uh, it had all the makings of a blowout, but here we are, 20-13 win, literally came down to the final minute of the game, one-score game. Uh, Kev, I'll, I'll let you just give your initial take, just like quick hit on this game. Initial take? I'm worried. That's my initial take, honestly, because this game, you're correct. This should have been a blowout. We should have won by, what, three touchdowns? Or, like so. around that, maybe. Like, the defense looked great. The defense did its job all game. Special teams a little iffy. JoJo uh, Natson, like, I didn't like one of those early uh, punt returns. They kind of let go, like, and it dropped back, what, 20, 30 yards almost? Yeah. But Yeah, he heard that yeah, one on Twitter. Overall, yeah, sloppy game outside of defense. Defense was incredible. Right. Yeah, defense, I mean, what more can you say? Uh, you know, there were – I think there were two big storylines going into this game – We'll talk about both of them. That should have been in the Rams' favor. A, Cleveland's offensive line is terrible. I mean, Greg yeah. Robinson is starting at tackle. Uh, we we watched him playing enough. Hey, Eric, Eric Kush, what's up? God bless him. God, still kicking, uh, starting yeah. left tackle, and their, their starting right tackle was out. I mean, this should have been a tough game for them. It was. We brought it. Yeah. Their whole secondary didn't play, like I mentioned. Yeah, and yeah I – I honestly couldn't recognize. I think Burris, maybe. I've heard of him before. I wasn't. Who else played? Like, I was really kind of at a loss when I heard these guys. Oh, I know Mitchell, but he's not very good. I think the Chiefs let him go back in the day. Eric Murray is kind of a starter for them. TJ Carey, like, they had just nobodies back there. Yeah, and uh, they had two interceptions. No disrespect. No, yeah, no. They should be disrespected. It's their JV team. Like this should they should have gotten lit up this game and they didn't. They really didn't. They're all things considered, their defense played a pretty damn good football game. Yeah, I mean like our receivers were getting open. It's just like Goff was hitting them, but like they were there was those early drop passes like off the fingertips. Like I think each of our star trio had a drop or something of it where it like went right through their hands. Yeah, it, it was, was weird. It was just so weird. It was very uncharacteristically sloppy by the receivers earlier in the game. Uh, to their credit, I will say I think they Cookson Cup played a hell of a game. Uh, Wood, yeah, Woods wasn't like I don't know. It, it, Woods was all right, but I mean we don't we don't need all three of these guys to have the best games of their career every yeah. every game. So and uh, Everett quiet. But uh, let's so, – so we can give the full picture. We'll go through the stats. Uh, I'll go through them real quick. We'll start with player stats. Then we'll get to team. Uh, Jared Goff, 24 for 38, 269 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, sacked twice, uh, had a fumble. I, like, I'm not going to blame him for the fumble, but that's two weeks in a row where he's had a fumble throwing the ball. Uh, whether it's his fault or whether it's a line's fault, you got to be it's concerned about it. It's his wind-up's fault. It's not technically his fault, but it, like he has to fix that. Yeah, he's not blameless, he's, but like I wouldn't say he's the primary reason for that. That's that's on the line. To that, protect that's his that was just a good pass rush. That's it. Yeah, running, rushing. Todd Gurley, fourteen carries, forty-three yards. Uh, Robert Woods, two carries for eighteen. Goff, four for fourteen. Goff had that one drive where he was he was running like a madman. Back to back runs. That was awesome, honestly. Yeah, it was probably his best drive of the game. And then Malcolm Brown. Three carries for seven yards. Uh, we don't have the uh, official snap counts here yet. I did some tracking on my own. Gurley played in seven drives. Brown played in three. So heavy dosage of Gurley, but like not really even. He only had 14 carries. Receiving, as we mentioned, Brandon Cooks, eight receptions for 112 yards. Cooper Cup, 11 receptions for 102 yards and two touchdowns. Both guys got 12 targets. Robert Woods, three for 40 on seven targets. Gerald Everett, two for 15 on two targets Josh Reynolds no receptions on two targets poor guy had a reception and the they, we called a timeout before the play could legally run uh, looking at the defense John Johnson led the team with nine tackles uh, Brockers and Weddle right behind him with six each to keep the lead with five Aaron Donald four tackles one sack two tackles for loss uh, we'll get to yeah. that later because the box score never tells the story with that guy and then Clay Matthews with a nice Three tackles, two sack game. Uh, so those those big takeaways from defense and John Johnson, obviously with the game ceiling interception, 
had a hell of a day. Uh, once again, leading the team in tackles. And to touch on their stats real quick, Nick Chubb, 23 carries for 96 yards. It certainly felt like more. Baker Mayfield, 18 for 36, one touchdown, one interception, uh, sacked three times for a loss of 20 yards. Receiving Landry, three catches for 62 yards, had the big 27-yard gain late in the game on nine targets. Uh, so not a great day, all things considered. Odell, six for 56 on nine targets. Nick Chubb, four for 35 on seven targets. Uh, I didn't see Kadero Hodge out there, former Ram. And then defense, you saw oh, special teams? Yeah, yeah, he uh, dapped up uh, Natson. They did like a little uh, cool handshake. <laughs> Love it. Uh, we are a very pro Kadero Hodge podcast on Butting Heads. Great uh, guy. Yeah, love him. Glad, glad he found a spot. And then defensively for them, two sacks. Miles Garrett grabbed one. Uh, Ogunjobi, I think I pronounced that right, grabbed the other. Yeah. Uh, TJ Carey, seven tackles, six solo, interception. Uh, Burris had the other interception, 15-yard gain. Uh, I don't see who got the fumble recovery in here. Oh, there we go. Uh, Scobert. Right, yeah, Scobert. Yeah. Joe Scobert. And then team stats. Rams had 19 total or 20 total first downs, 16 passing, one rushing, one from penalties. Uh, overall, 345 yards on 64 total plays, 5.4 yards per play, 255 yards through the air, 90 on the ground. 90 feels high. Yeah, yeah, but I guess you got to factor in those uh, the receiver sweeps and those runs Goff had. Cleveland had 95 yards on the ground, 175 through the air. Rams, seven penalties for 50 yards. Browns, eight penalties for 60 yards. So three turnovers to the Rams. They lost time of possession by three minutes. Kind of felt like a game where both teams were trying to throw it away at times. But, I mean, I don't, know, I don't even know what the big – takeaway from the stats are here like defensively it was a great game all things considered Chubb like it felt like he had more than 96 yards so when I see that on paper that that makes me feel a little better he had four catches for 35 yards but one of those came on uh, a 30 yard pass and obviously they shut down Baker but this season I don't know if that's even really an accomplishment yeah no I uh with that O-line it's I don't want to say it's all Baker's fault but yeah it's everybody's to blame on this offense right now because there's a lot of a lot of ugly like Chubb was running into walls half the time he was able to break off a couple runs late but he wasn't looking too pretty Baker was basically running for his life like Donald and uh Clay were after him all game so shout out to us for that at least but yeah he didn't look good overall the receivers oh my like shutting down Beckham for six catches 56 yards I that was the game changer honestly Feels that, great. Yeah, no, that's that's what separated this game from like that. That's what gave us the win mostly. And the the secondary this year, I mean, all things, I think they've done a really good job. The only player, oh, yeah, like this is two out of three running backs have kind of had their way with us. Not obviously, this was not to the level that McCaffrey did, but uh, we shut down Kamara last week. Overall, I don't oh. think like any receivers have ripped us apart. I'm correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't look this up. I'm pretty sure DJ Moore had a decent game Michael like, Thomas had like 10 catches 89 yards which is okay I, I mean he had 180 oh, against us last year so I'm fine with yeah. that <laughs> uh, I mean you'll I'll take less than 100 yards for Michael Thomas any day of the week absolutely absolutely yeah the, so I think defensively that's a big takeaway is we did a really good job against receivers Odell I think you know going into the game I was pretty much like if we can date Odell I think we should be okay because yeah the Browns had so many factors going against them into this game outside of the fact that they were home. So I'm happy with the defense played, but let's get into a little bit more in depth here. But before we do, we do want to give a shout out to our sponsor, my bookie. So please have a listen. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. All right, once again, that's my bookie. Use promo code RAMS. Get a discount. Win some money. Help us get some money, too, in the process. Uh, 
So I touched on those two big storylines that I thought were the biggest heading in this game. So let's start with the positive one first. Uh, so we feel a little bit better. <laughs> the Browns line was terrible heading into this game. Our defensive line should have ripped them apart. And they lived up to the hype and then some. I think like there's four players usually that line up to rush the ball. And I could name five off the top of my head that played great. Obviously, Donald was a fucking monster. But the other guys, too. Clay Matthews with two sacks. Michael Brockers, I thought, was phenomenal in this game. Uh, He's a guy that we kind of took all our blame for the D-line last year, besides Donald, out on Sue. And I kind of tried to hold Brockers accountable as much as I can because he was just as bad. But he is, in a contract year, he's having a hell of a year. And then Dante Fowler, another good game for him. Another guy in a contract year. I think he's going to earn some money. And then Samson Ibukem from the grave had, had a nice game, had a big bat down late. I felt like I was seeing him a lot in the pass rush, which I have not felt all year. So I'm really proud of the defensive line. You know, Donald, you expect it. But everybody else against a bad offensive line, they they did exactly what they should have done. And it, you love to see it. Absolutely. Uh, shout out to Taylor Rapp, too. Yep. He had a big uh deflection late uh in like towards the end zone near the goalpost that was him right like yeah in the, on third down which made it to fourth yeah right. that was just huge playing up like that and not getting a pi or a holding that was play of the game almost yeah he uh he said he said a hell of a year he did a really good job against jared cook last week uh yeah. this week he, he had a penalty for like five yards but i'd say made up for it and then some with that you'll take you'll take penalty that's like you could eat that if you're getting plays like that all day right i think we you know even before the micah kaiser injury i'd been saying and i wasn't alone in saying this that you could expect a snap split between rap and uh hager no not hager sorry kaiser and then hager now and it certainly feels like rap is the one that's on the field more often than not as kind of like the hybrid rover linebacker so is the, their top pick in this year's draft, you they, you got to feel good about it. He he's been a really only real rookie of impact, and he's been he's been great. I'm really happy with how he's played. Hard agree. Yeah, and there's not like there's not much a ton we can say here about the defense line in this game. They should have played great. They played great. Yeah. Let's move on to the other big storyline, as we mentioned. Every single secondary player, and I'm going to say this a million times this podcast because it's insane. Every single starter in the secondary for Cleveland was out. and <laughs> You cannot emphasize this enough. You really can't. Nobody. We have a two-time Pro Bowl quarterback. We have, you know, I don't feel like making a list right now. I'd say at least a top five receiving core, at least as far as your trio goes. It might be the best pound-for-pound trio in the league from top to bottom. It's up there. Yeah, and... If, if AB uh, stayed out of trouble... I'd say uh, New England had the top trio, but oh, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> Not <laughs> certain circumstances, we a, do. A different Brown for a, di- for a different podcast. Uh, but yeah, man, it's Goff, like, you can't say he looked horrible in this game. He had his moments. He, I like, I don't think Goff, he, like, I don't want to say he had an underrated game. He had a good game. It just, those picks were just. And that fumble was annoying. So, like, aside from the turnovers, I know it's hard to say aside from the turnovers, but he was pretty accurate. And he made some good runs. He made some good throws. Like, he had a good game, in my opinion. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Like, I'd say he's somewhere in the middle. I think he he did make some great plays, and the line wasn't great. I mean, what do you think about the pass protection? Because uh, I'm in a group chat with a bunch of non-Rams fans, and they were like, the pass protection's been good. I'm like, I feel like it hasn't, but I might have my homework goggles on. Uh, it was okay. Like, there were a couple of really good pockets that Goff got to throw out of. He wasn't running for his life. It was it was okay. Yeah. It's just, like, it, I feel like he should have had better stats. I don't, like, it sounds like a silly and empty thing to say, but. That's partly on the receivers, too, where, like, like I said, with drops and whatnot. So, you know, a little bit of fault to everyone here. Yeah, and and you never know. Maybe if they catch the balls earlier, Goff gets in a groove, and we do blow them out. And they, they take a little blame as well, but I think they did make up for it. It's it's an, But it's just like it's another road game where he plays sloppy. 
I, it wasn't bad, but there is a narrative out there that he can't play well on the road, and I don't think this is not playing well, but it definitely wasn't one of his best games. Those picks, man, they were – none of them were good passes. None of them were good reads. Uh, it, oh, yeah. The Cooks play – That Woods pass was ugly. Yeah. That second pick. Oh, my God. Well, he was throwing to what, triple coverage? Yeah, like the guy, the guy who made the tip made a good play, but like even if he doesn't make that play, it's I don't still don't think it's a good pass. Like there's a chance he he catches it, but you don't need to throw it in triple coverage in that situation. It was a third and one. It was very late in the game. I personally thought we should have run the ball. I definitely don't think we should have done that. Uh, if you want to throw a pass, throw a short pass. Maybe to, you mentioned uh, throwing it to Cooks over the middle. I mean, it was a bad play call, but a worse throw. And yeah, no, it, uh, it was Cooks literally right to his left. He could have just dumped it to him with the cornerback, what, eight yards away from him. He would have had the first down easy. He could have just fallen forward, honestly, and, like, there was no one to, like, stop him. So it was just a weird call. I feel like that was a – like, he didn't even bother to make a read there. Like, McVay probably called a play. It was in his head. He didn't bother to look around. And that's kind of the, the folly of Goff where – I feel like at the line of scrimmage, he just kind of sticks to what he knows or like what he's being told. Yeah. And I think that's a complaint that Rams fans more than it. Like that's a, that's a public complaint and Rams fans kind of try and deny it. And I think it's a genuine complaint because I don't think it's true all the time, but I'd say Goff's biggest flaw is that he kind of stares down receivers a lot. He makes up his mind who he's going to throw the ball to before he snaps it. That's probably partly because McVay is telling him where to get the ball. But if you want, if you want to take that next leap into, you know, I'd say he's at like back end of the second tier quarterback. If you want to make your leap to the front of that, maybe be a, a top tier, you got to be able to start doing that. And that's a lot of his interceptions are a result of that. I feel like they're throws that you should not be throwing. the The Cooks interception, like yeah, it's single coverage, but it's on a comeback. If you throw a pick on a comeback route, you should not be throwing the comeback route. Like, that is not a ball. Like, that is not a route that you should throw an interception. When he makes a break to back into his comeback, you should be able to tell if that ball, if there's a chance it gets picked. And if there is, you don't throw that pass. And it was a really, really bad decision by Goff. And I'm with you. I don't think it was his worst day, but you can't, you can't make throws like that. And the late one with the score. With our field position, you know, if if he throws it away, if we don't even get the first round, we can at least punt it, pin him back a little bit. With the way the offense is playing, that game's probably over if you pin him back. We didn't pin him back. We gave him good field position, and they they took a couple years off of my life as a result of it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it, so we did touch on McVay there. I mean, what what do you think overall about McVay's play calling in this game and? The offense this year, it, I, they haven't looked as good as they have in the past. I think they looked pretty good against the Saints. Part of that was because I feel like the Saints quit near the end of the game, and the yeah, kind of it was the Saints. Like that was not our best game either. That was just we got lucky. I I don't want to say an injury is lucky, but yeah, Breeze getting out kind of boosted our confidence. We were like, yeah, we got this. We. Like, they noticed that Teddy couldn't do anything against us, and we just took advantage of that. We pounded the rock. We, we ran, like, 30 times last week. It yeah. was – yeah, we took advantage of them. But this week, the play calling was definitely – I was skeptical half the time what we were doing. Uh, we didn't give the ball to Malcolm Brown enough. Gurley just didn't have it today. He was – in the past game, I, we only threw it to him once, and every time we ran with him, I just felt like – he was going to go down on first contact every single time. So I, I think a big thing about Gurley this year is, like, I feel like he's a he's not really like a plotting running back. You know, he, he's never felt like a guy that you get in the ball, he's guaranteed to get you six yards. He's a guy that, like, he picks his spots. He, I'd love to get six yards from anybody <laughs> every time. No, no, I know. But, like, you know, like, I just – He's a guy that he he gets a lot of his yards on breaking out big runs, and then he gets his yeah. touchdowns in the red zone, and he's not doing either this year. And yeah. I don't think like I still think there's a chance that he gets back to I don't know maybe ninety ninety five percent of what he was last year, but it's definitely been a little frightening so far watching him play. 
he has gotten runs that have looked good. I don't, I don't think he looked as bad at, like as you're saying in this game. I don't think he looked good, but 14 carries for 43 yards. His longest was nine, which means like there wasn't that, a one. There that, was, what, yeah. What'd you say? I was like, that's concerning. When your longest run is nine on yeah. 14 carries so and you're Todd, come on. Yeah, so it's like A, it like I, I think there's two sides to the coin. Like A, his longest carry was nine, so those stats aren't warped. Like more often than not, he was getting a decent amount of yards. On the flip side, his longest carry was nine. And like you said, you're talking about Todd Gurley. We're not talking about like Malcolm Brown. Uh, and that's not even an insult to Malcolm Brown. Like Todd Gurley makes $15 million a year. And you could say, yeah, a bad contract. Yeah, it probably was. But still, he still for the last couple of years has been an elite offensive talent period, regardless of position. He has not looked like that this year. I think part of it is on the run blocking. I think part of it is on the play calling, but you can't sit here and act like part of it's not on Gurley. And I don't know if I agree that Malcolm Brown should be getting more touches. I, I don't think he had it this game either. Uh, personally, I don't think either of them did. And that might be a, a testament to the Browns run defense and that they look good. It might be a testament to that. I, I don't know. Maybe the run, the run, blocking was bad without Blythe in there but I don't know I what it is I, right. that's a big part of it have not having Austin Blythe was pretty huge today oh yeah and we, we'll talk about we'll probably talk about that in our next segment with uh, his replacement but it's just I don't I don't know man if if Gurley doesn't have like he's got to have a big game at some point to make us feel better and I thought over the last I think week week one he looked bad for three quarters. He had a really good fourth quarter. Week two, yeah, he had a good game. I think last week he had a good game. It wasn't by Gurley standards usually a good game, but he he ran the ball well. He got in the end zone. This week, I don't think either of them had a good game, and I don't even know who to point the finger at. Um, well, we only gave Brown the ball like three times. It's hard to get a real like feel for a guy after three touches. He didn't really, yeah, we didn't use him in the passing game. We didn't really do much with him. And he's not really a passing down back, but it was concerning. After, like, last week, six six carries, 37 yards. And then the week before, what, 11 carries, 40, like, 53 yards. He's been pretty good on limited touches. And he had those two touchdowns in the first game. Gurley, last week, I, I don't think he had that good of a game. He had 16 carries for 63 yards. Like, it's less than four yards per carry. I know yards per carry isn't the best measure for success, but right. I mean, he wasn't really useful in the passing game either. He had three catches for four yards. That's not great. It, yeah. I, I'm really concerned about Gurley, honestly. Like, it's gotten worse each game. His his yards per carry have gone down from 6.9 to well, uh, what was it here? Uh, 3.9 to uh, 3.1. It's progressing down. Yeah, I will say as a girly, heavily invested girly fantasy owner, I'm basically the the dog sitting in the burning apartment drinking coffee right now. Oh yeah, this is fine. <laughs> yeah, but from from a a real world perspective, I, I I'm not out yet. I I I don't know. I think like next week Tampa Bay, you gotta hope oh, yeah. he has a big game. Uh, That's I mean, the game where he better show up. Because right. if not, I am absolutely concerned. I know Tampa Bay's defense is better this year. They've, uh, you know, added Sue, which is a huge pickup. Uh, Vita Vea is playing well. So, like, they have a legit run defense that they haven't had for the past, what, half decade? Yeah. But still, they're exposable. And if we don't, like, if the entire offense doesn't show up next week, I'm, like, that's concerned. Like, I'll smash the concern button right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, honestly, it should have been this week, but... Uh, the, the Browns, it's a way that so I'll give us that much. <laughs> yeah, and then the Browns do, to their credit, like Miles Garrett's one of the best players in the league. Like, period. They have a good defensive line. Uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of where it ends on that defense, especially when their whole secondary is out. But yeah. uh, we had a bad banged up offensive line. They had a good defensive line, and they they played well. But yeah. uh, before we get to our next topic here, guys, we do got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk, and his book. Hollywood's team, grit, glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. I guess you know most of us, myself for real, is definitely pretty much addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. But if you want to learn a bit more about the team's history with a bit of a personal touch, Jim's book is going to give you that and more. It is a son story about his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. The topic of the book is 
we follow Jim Hawk's dad, John Hawk. He played off as a lineman for the Rams from 1953 to 1957. It tells you about the, the team, the era, the city from those years. It's just a great read. You're going to learn about not only John, but players like Norm Van Brocklin, Les Richter, Tom Fears, and Crazy Legs Hirsch. And this story spanning the 1950s LA Rams. If you want to get your hands on a copy, you can find it online at hollywoodsteam.com. You can find it on Twitter at Hollywood's Team. It's available in hardback, electronic form, and paperback. Yes, the paperback is finally out. Amazon and Barnes and Noble, other booksellers on the internet, wherever you're getting your books, they might have it. If not, I mean, we all shop on Amazon. Uh, I've read this book cover to cover. It's an awesome read. Uh, it's worth every penny for any Rams fan out there. Uh, if you want to read it, guys, it's a fantastic book. If you don't want to read it, but you want to have something on your bookshelf, it looks pretty damn cool on my bookshelf as well. Uh, trust me, guys, it, it's a good read for any Rams fan out there. It's also just a great read about a father and the legacy he left behind. Again, guys, it's Hollywood's team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It is well worth your time. So we touched on the offensive line a little bit. Uh, obviously, Austin Blythe out. We have, on probably every podcast on our feed, been harping on how horrible and scary the Rams' offensive line depth is. And Jameel Demby, the guy who replaced Austin Blythe today, was a big part of that. But, like, I felt a little better last week when we actually got to see him play and step in against the Saints. And, like, I want to say he looked good, but you didn't really hear much from him, which for a backup offensive line and someone like Demby who looked horrible in the preseason, has been cut by two teams, for him to be our sixth lineman is a concern. I felt okay heading into this game, and I do not feel okay after this game. We really need Austin Blythe back. Uh, Denby was terrible. He had a huge false start on the one-yard line that set us back five yards. Uh, he he missed, he missed a fair amount of blocks. The fumble that Jared Goff had, I believe, was his fault. Uh, he was guard blocking Miles Garrett. Uh, it was his side of the line for sure, at least, and he gets blamed there. And even beyond him, like I think Andrew Whitworth kind of held his own when he got pinned up with Garrett. Anyone else, nobody really else really played good games. The fact that we have three first-year starters in the offensive line showed today, that's counting Denby. There was a sack where Brian Allen was blocking his man, left his assignment to go double-team somebody else, and the guy he was blocking just waltzed in and got the sack because he literally just stopped blocking him. Like, the offensive line was bad last week. They were worse this week. I I don't know. Like, even with Blythe back, like, it's definitely an improvement because Demby was god-awful in this game. And, you know, he was the guy we thought he was in the preseason. But overall, I'm still a bit concerned about this line, even with Blythe in there. Because, like, I don't think Allen looked great. Uh, no boom, I didn't notice him a ton, but it was... You know, the three guys on the right side of the line that were struggling in this game, it felt like more often than not. Uh, yeah, it was, like like I said, it was okay. I didn't notice it too horribly. Like I said, Goff had some good pockets, and the sacks, although some of them, like, they, he only had, what, two sacks? And sacks are kind of a quarterback stats, and he was evading, yeah. uh, he was evading some pressure pretty well. So I wouldn't say it was the worst game I ever saw from offensive line. Like obviously, like Cleveland on the other side was much worse. So I'd say I noticed that like significantly more than I did ours, which is I guess okay. But yeah, Allen and Noteboom have been concerning through the first two weeks anyway. Uh, I know PFF isn't the best way to go about measuring uh, offensive line performance or general football performance, but they were both graded below average through the first two games. And I like there's not really much we can do at this point except pray they get better and hope for Austin Blythe back next week as soon or as soon as possible. Like there's not much more to it really right now. Yeah, that's that doesn't make me feel great. There's <laughs> not much more yeah. to it. Like uh, I, I saw a tweet. I think it was from Downtown Rams. They were like, the run game should get going once Note Boom and Allen get comfortable. And like, yeah, it would, but. It's not a sure thing that they ever get comfortable. You know, these guys are third and fourth round picks, and I think we like them overall as prospects, but no guarantee that those guys are going to end up being good offensive linemen in the NFL. And, like, I think Noteboom has been better than Allen. We had a bad center last year. The bar was low. 
I don't know if Allen's even met it yet this year. Uh, like it's this isn't a massive concern, but I think if like yeah, we can point to Goff and Gurley being the starting point for why the offensive looked worse this year. You can even blame McVay a little bit, but the underlying truth is it might be because we let go of Roger Saffold and John Sullivan and replace them with two unproven commodities, and the rest of our offensive line might have been a little overrated to begin with, with the exception of Whitworth. Yeah, like, Havenstein hasn't looked too great this year. He was okay today, I think. Yeah. I haven't seen him get beat too often. He Like, he held his own for the most part. But uh, I am I was fine with letting Sullivan go. His time had come. He already, like, when he signed with us, he was going to be, like, out of the league at that point. So I guess we kind of juiced that for whatever was left. But losing Saffold was huge. Even Jamon Brown, I thought, was playing well last year. And it was kind of weird when we let, let him go. Uh, yeah. It was, that was very weird. Catcher, honestly, I I correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I think he'd still be under contract. Well, uh, I, well he signed a new deal with the Falcons. Didn't oh, he? right, right. Okay, he's yeah, not, no, he, he, not he cut player. him because we traded for Fowler and we had you know like 53 man roster crunch. But uh, like, right. I, I don't think a a starter level guard should have been cut for that. Like, we could have cut like Troy Hill or something like someone bad. You're, you're playing the right strings on this podcast. Uh, my co-host Johnny does not like Troy Hill. Also like, why the he fuck played, was Troy Hill in this game? Like, why did he play when he got that pass interference penalty? Why was he in? What? Well, yeah. What? <laughs> it was on the goal line pretty much. And Troy Hill is just, I'm like, I can't wait to see the snap counts from this game because I, I do not understand what drove them to putting Troy Hill in the game on that play. And I don't think it was like a like a hugely blatant offensive or pass interference. I think he might have hit him after the ball got back, but like you're still stuffing your hands in the guy's face. That's that's how you get flagged in the NFL. Not great. Uh I I don't want to see him on the field anymore. He must be like a great practice cornerback or something cuz it did not make sense to We took a keep to leave out for Troy Hill a couple times, right? I don't. I honestly don't remember. I don't remember. I, I think I saw a, a tweet mentioning that uh, after the game, and I, I was just I, like, I think I missed a little bit of the game, and that was just confusing to me. Why we'd ever put him in for Talib? No, yeah, Talib really, really shouldn't be coming off the field that often. I mean, Troy Hill, in his defense, we hard on him, but as you're like, what the the fourth cornerback, uh, kind of just a guy off the bench that plays a couple snaps. You could do a lot worse. Uh, when he's out there as a starter, that's when he really gets exposed. But at the same time, like I don't know why he's in on like the 15-yard line in this game unless somebody was either could not walk because they were gassed that hard. Uh, like I, I don't – in that scenario, it's like – it was like when Daryl Henderson came in on the 10-yard line in week one. It's like, yeah, you want to trot Daryl Henderson out there for a player too, sure, but like why are you giving him the ball on the goal line for his first NFL carry? Uh, when you have Todd Gurley and Malcolm Brown in front of him, yeah, no, that's a big thing too. It's uh, where where we're putting these guys in has been like a big head scratcher. Like that might be my biggest, uh, I don't want to say question mark, but concern with McVeigh for the most part right now. Because why isn't Henderson getting touches? Why would we trade up for this guy if we're not even going to use him at all? Unless he's just like really expensive insurance for Gurley or Brown. Yeah, I, I want to see him on the field. I want to see what he can do. He can't be that bad. I didn't love him coming out of the draft, but they must believe in him to a certain extent to have him on the team at this point. I Pun intended. I'm going to butt heads with you here. Uh, 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 look, I, 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 A, we just mentioned that you want to get Malcolm Brown more touches, right? I just want to get anybody but girly touches at this point just to see what they can do. <laughs> I so I just like Henderson he didn't look good in the preseason maybe that's because the line he's playing with backup linemen that aren't good I don't know what it was uh I just don't I don't see what putting him on the field benefits and you could say like yeah they used high draft capital on him he was a third round pick they did trade up to get him he might really just be really expensive girly insurance and I don't like I didn't really like the pick at the time not because of him because I was like, well, you have Malcolm Brown still. That that kind of spells doom for Gurley if you're drafting this guy. 
who we resigned. We re-signed Malcolm Brown and then drafted Henderson. Yeah. So yeah. I was doom and gloom. I was like, oh, Gurley's done. Yeah, and maybe a, another factor could have also been that Henderson was co- – or, sorry, Brown was coming off an injury. Uh, but, yeah. like, I've noted in the past, I mean, we've drafted third-round picks and not played them for a year. I mean, look, eight picks later, I think we took David Long, who was, like, a universally loved pick by Rams fans, I'd say, in the media yeah. in the third round. That's the guy that people think could become a legit starting corner. And he's not even active. So, yeah. I, like, I don't think – you should play Henderson because he's a third-round pick. Nope, Boom didn't play last year. He's starting this year. Uh, we've had third-round picks in the past that they just were patient with, and I think if you don't think Brown or Henderson can do anything better at this time than Brown or Gurley, you don't need to play him. Those Theoretically, those guys should be pretty damn good. We'll see with Gurley. I'm still a little optimistic, but we'll see, and I think Brown is good. Uh, so I just, yeah. I don't think anyone benefits from playing Daryl Henderson. I don't even know if Daryl Henderson would benefit from playing Daryl Henderson. <laughs> I mean, he's a running back. Running backs are pretty much plug and play. They don't really need to be integrated much into the system. I guess for play pass blocking, but other than that, it's pretty much, here's the ball, do your job, go run straight. Uh, cornerbacks. I understand why a cornerback would be, uh, you know, held out for a year or two redshirted, but there's really no excuse for the most part with running backs unless he's out of shape, unless he's just god-awful catching the ball and pass blocking. Like If he can, if his legs work, I want to see him out there. I think that's just my whole thing because I want to just, I want to see a competent run game at this point. Yeah, well, I think the pass blocking is a huge factor to why he doesn't play because oh. uh, more, off, more often than not, Gurley and Brown are good pass blockers. C.J. Anderson was a great pass blocker. I think that's why he played a lot in the playoffs last year. <laughs> C.J. Anderson blocks like half the line, so <laughs> he's wide enough to do that. But yeah, yeah he, I, I, get, I get it. He's still learning, so that makes sense. Uh, pour one out for C.J. Anderson. Uh, big. We are a very pro C.J. Anderson podcast. Hopefully, he gets another job. But it just, I want to see competent game running game too. I don't think Daryl Henderson's the answer. I. Like, I think your best bet is to get Todd Gurley going, or if not that, mix in Malcolm Brown more. But Yeah, because we, we were going off the hot hand for that first game, and I really liked it. I was like, okay, you know, one's not effective, and the other is. We'll roll with that guy. It's a very, you know, progressive approach to rushing because, you know, like, what's harped on on Twitter, running backs don't matter. And right. uh, honestly, even though we're paying Gurley $15 million a year, we shouldn't be dedicated to giving the ball if he's not going to be able to, you know, do much with it. I do agree with that. I so basically, they've been giving these guys full series when they come in, with the yeah. exception of Daryl Henderson getting those two snaps in week one. But in week one, the series Brown was in, the offense was cooking, and and part of that is a hundred percent on him. But they're not subbing these guys out on either of their series, which is why today we didn't get a lot of Brown at all because the series I'd have to look it up, but the series he was in ended fairly quickly. And yeah. Gurley was in on like the couple of longer drives because there wasn't many of them. Yeah, but I wouldn't say that's you know Brown's fault or Gurley's fault necessarily that those drives were good. It just you know just a hap- it's a happenstance. It's like oh on this drive we connected on a pass to Cooks on the other drive let's say there was a drop. It's no that's not Brown or Gurley's fault that either of those occurred. It's just kind of what happened, and we shouldn't be basing it off of things that aren't under these running backs' control. Because it's like Gurley wasn't really moving the chains much, so we can't really say he's the reason we were able to get downfield on no, his drive. Absolutely not. I don't think he's the reason the offense like struggled at times. I definitely don't think he's the yeah. reason in this game that they succeeded at other times. Oh uh, yeah, he's no. just he's kind of there, and that's not what you yeah, want. <laughs> that's the best way to put it. He was just kind of there, dude. Yeah. It's not a positive. It's not a negative. But he's the highest paid running back in the league. Well, besides Zeke now, but. Uh, it's not you don't want your fifteen million dollar year running back to just kind of be there, you know. Yeah. Like that's the last thing you want. It's concerning. <laughs> at least, hey, at least Woods look good on his runs. Yeah. I love the little double reverse I had. It's, it had been a oh. while since we've seen that. There, we really should be using Cooks and Woods more on those like jet sweeps and reverses and whatnot. It, they, like, I don't know why every time it happens, I feel like it works. Yeah. I just wonder why don't we do this more. Oh, it's like, we, we like to throw them shitty 
screenplays that never work. Uh, yeah, yeah. I get picked. Uh, um, all right, before we get into studs and duds, uh, Derek always calls the segment like go to the game, talking about the scapegoat. Sorry, Derek, we're not going to do that on Butting Heads. We're going to do studs and duds so everybody knows what we're talking about. But before we get into that, let's hear a quick shout-out from our teammates at the Big Heads Podcast Network, Her American Story. Do you love a good story? Her American Story is a podcast for anyone who loves a good story. First and second generation American women share their American experience. Sharing our stories helps us to relate to one another, build understanding, as well as provide representation for those that need it most. I grew up in a smaller American town and lacked representation in my community and simply in media at that time. I created something I wanted to hear. I hope this podcast reaches those that need it most, as well as serves as a collection of simply interesting stories. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at HerAMStory. Everyone has the story. Share yours with me. Email me at HerAmericanStory at gmail.com. I'll I'll get my studs first and I can pass it to you. Gotcha. Uh, Aaron Donald. I mean, one one more needs to be said, man. Jesus Christ. Uh, If you ever needed, like, a game to sit down and watch and understand why people rank this defensive lineman who really has only had one season that pops off in terms of stats as the best player in the NFL, all you need to do is watch this game because, I mean, that guy is worth every penny of that massive contract we paid him. Uh, I was strongly for it at the time. has aged like a fine wine. Uh, he, he earned that money and this, we do not win this. We don't even, I don't even know if we come close to winning this game without him. Uh, the rest of the defensive line, we mentioned them already. Brockers, Matthews, Fowler, Abu Kam. I don't need to go into that. And then I got Cooper cup and Brandon cooks, uh, Cooper cup monstrous game from him. Two touchdowns, 112 yards. I think it was 112 yards. No, hundred yards. 102. There we go. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't looking at the box score. Yeah, I get you. Like, Cooks and Cup have, like, really similar yard totals, so I get you. Yeah, two good games in a row for both of these guys. Uh, As a fantasy owner of all three of them, I hope Robert Woods doesn't get lost here this year. But as somebody who owns the other two, I'm definitely happy with what we've seen. And then I do got to give one final stud shout-out to Freddie Kitchens, who on fourth and nine ran a halfback draw. Uh, and basically did just as much to lose this game, if not more, as, like, Jared Goff did with those interceptions. Uh, yeah, player just, of the game. Yeah, we, didn't, of the game. we didn't talk about that yet, but, like... We'll get into it. Yeah, I, I mean, we could get into it now. I mean, Freddie Kitchens... Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready to rip into the kitchen. I think, and this is going to sound insane, because, like, I don't even... I've, I, I hinted at this take on the podcast. I didn't fully unleash it last week. I think they might have hired the wrong coordinator from their staff last year as their head coach. And Oh, wait. Oh, who do you think should have been the head coach? If you were going to keep one of them, man, they played well under Greg Williams. I don't know if you should have kept either. Ooh. Oh, okay. I'm not going to agree there. I don't think Greg Williams should be a head coach in the NFL. I don't think either of them should be head coaches in the NFL. <laughs> oh, so it's like... <laughs> but if you're going to keep I one... I mean, I, I, ideally, they should have kept none. But hey, what are you gonna do? Uh, honestly, they really sh- they should be going hard after Lincoln Riley this off season. I think that should be their play. Yeah, I mean, unless it's not a new contract, I don't think so. I don't think I saw that anywhere. It would have been like pretty big news. But yeah, Riley should be that big signing this off season for them because Kitchens ain't it. He ain't it. You definitely ain't it. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they're they're a top heavy roster. They have holes at a lot of positions, but either way, uh, just because they're a top-heavy roster and they're thin doesn't mean you have to ignore the fact that those guys at the top are really fucking good, and they should—they have one win against Luke Falk and Trevor Simeon this year. Uh, they looked horrible in all three games, I would say. Uh, this is definitely a yeah. scary thing. Oh, yeah, that Titans loss, I was like, oh, I'm ready. I was, I've been calling the Browns frauds for months now. I had the Ravens as my favorites for that division early on. And e- like even after the Odell trade, even after them trading uh, what Vernon – or yeah, getting Vernon for Zeitler, that was an awful – I think that's the move that sunk their season. Giving away Vernon for Zeitler, 
that's unforgivable for the most part because their offensive line was what top five last season, and then they give away one of the best or one of the best pass blocking guards in the NFL for a position at which they have some pretty good depth. Like they're not playing uh, Gennard Avery right now because they have Olivier Vernon, and they're starting. I don't even know who at, or Eric Cush at guard, former yeah. Ram. Shout out, Form, to him. former Ram did not make the team. Uh, the one year yeah. he was here in the preseason. Great tank tops, though. Good guy. Yeah, well, but, uh, great on hard knocks. Yeah, no, but, like, the Browns are really screwed right now without an offensive line. They're just giving up, like, we saw it this week against, I mean, Aaron Donald's going to rip into any team. He was bullying Joel Batonio, who's a really good guard. But overall, they shouldn't be this bad. They have legit talent on this roster, but because their O-line is so bad, the rest of the offense looks just like shit. And then I'm really excited to see what happens to them over the next four weeks. Do you want to hear their schedule? Yeah, lay it on me. At Ravens. That's a new. <sighs> at 49ers in primetime. 49ers are 3-0. and Even though they're a little, you know, I know they're a little shaky. They shouldn't be 3-0. But they're 3-0. And in San Francisco is going to be rough. Home versus the Seahawks. And then at Patriots. Jesus Christ. That's their next four games. They could go. They could be one and six. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be fun. I'm I'm so ready for the narrative to shift on them. I, it might be happening soon, but there still might be the excuse like, oh, they just played uh, the NFC champion from last year, so this is to be expected. But what's gonna happen after, when they're one and six? There's not gonna be that many excuses. No, not like I don't like. You shouldn't look at this game and be like, this is why you should be concerned about the Browns. You know what I mean? But you should just look at the the two weeks before it because yeah. they should have slaughtered the Jets. Oh uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a weird game. Like the Jets' defense without Quinnen Williams, without C.J. Mosley, looked legit good yeah. against this Browns offense that was basically almost all healthy outside of what, like Rashard Higgins, maybe. No, Njoku got hurt, but like still. Oh yeah, Njoku too. But still, like a tight end compared to like they have Landry, they have Odell, they have Chubb, they have Baker, they have all these big names, but. They can't generate real points. Yeah, it's, that schedule is insane. Uh, the 49ers, like, they're not, I, I wouldn't say they're up there with some of the other 3 0 teams, but, like, they're also not frauds. That's a good football team. No. And that's, we're yeah, going to have tough games with them. Yeah, no, absolutely. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to butt in there, but I just no, want to say they aren't a gimme anymore. Like, these aren't going to be blowout games against them, even. Like against their defense, their their offense obviously with Jimmy G back is gonna be improved no matter what. Anything's improve, anything's a step up from last season. But yeah, it's I'm excited just to see what happens here. Yeah, their their schedule is home against the Browns, at Rams, at Redskins, home against the Panthers, at Cardinals. So I mean, they could easily be. Sorry, I'm trying to do math. Seven and one. They could easily be seven and one. Oh yeah, for the Niners. Yeah, they could no. potentially be eight and zero oh, because I mean they, they could beat us, but like yeah. Seahawks, Cardinals, like what after us? Their next toughest game is home versus the Packers. Maybe uh, their their schedule is pretty cupcake Kate. early on. Well, the, so uh, it the, ends tough though. Yeah, it ends tough. So that I'm interested. I mean, I Johnny and I were not down on them at before the season. We were just like. Like, their roster's good. This was their time to put it together, and they're putting it together. I don't love Jimmy G, but you, I think you can win with him. Uh, yeah. But anyways, Kev, let's hear your studs in this game. Uh, we went on a little tangent there, but it was a good one. Oh, yeah. No problem. Uh, so, my st- obviously, Aaron Donald has to be, like, the main stud from our team today. At least, yeah, no. It's just because if our offense scored a couple more points, maybe I'd say Cooper Cup because he did give, give those two touchdowns. So, I'll be I'll be fair here. Okay, defense Aaron Donald, offense Cooper Cup. Basically, it was a pretty good showing on the on both their parts today because Donald was so disruptive, even though he only had like one sack. Um, he was getting to Baker pretty often. He was chasing him around, uh, helping the rest of the offensive line, uh, help, helping the rest of the defensive line get open with uh, taking on some doubles. And then uh, Cup on the other end, he was looking so crisp on his routes uh, he got that one cut in the end zone against tj carey for i believe it was the second touchdown and I, he just has not lost a step 
10 months after an ACL tear. Like he, he's a great redemption. I don't say it's a redemption story, but it's a, it's a great return if anything. And uh, he's been kind of carrying this offense. Not, yeah, he's been carrying this offense for the most part through the first couple of weeks. Right. Uh, Cooks, Cooks, obviously. Like you stated, most of the studs. Um, I guess <laughs> I'll go back to Taylor Rapp. If anything, the one guy you didn't mention who I brought up earlier, Taylor Rapp, just for that link play, is uh, another one of my studs. Um, yeah. Having a good year. Well, so yeah. I don't take all the players. Why don't you give me your duds? Oh, duds. Let me look at that. Eh, well, yeah, girly. I know I've been ta- I've been harping on him. It has to be Gurley as the biggest dud today. Ugh, it just I don't. He's not look. He's not plotting. He's just he's not explosive. It, it's like he gets the ball and then he could get maybe four or five yards if we're lucky. But other than that, we're seeing a very limited running back right now. And. I think McVeigh stated early in the season they're just we're just going to roll with it and see what we got, and that that quote was terrifying. I, I'm obviously I'm kind of misquoting him there. It's not those weren't his exact words, but they're playing it by ear with Gurley, and I'm not liking what I'm seeing whatsoever. Uh, if he really does not show up next week, there has to be some organizational, like I don't want to say change, but decision to limit his touches even more. Because he's already at a what he's half he's at half his workload from last season on a per game basis, and yeah, he needs to turn it around, man. Yeah, yeah, it's and it, like we might come off as overcritical here, but uh, like we're being critical because we're not like if his name was Peyton Barber and he was putting <laughs> up these stats, like sure, fine, he's not fucking yeah. Peyton Barber, it's Todd Gurley. He's won a player of the offensive player of the year award before. Multi time first team all pro. Like you expect more. You're paying him like you expect more. Uh like you're a lot more down on him than I am. I don't think you need to limit his touches. I wouldn't mind getting Brown more work. I I think he should get more work, but I think they both should get more or I don't know if I necessarily mean they both should get more work, but I don't think either have been put in a big position to succeed at times. Except for week one where Gurley was bad and Brown was good. But wait, no, no. Week one, Gurley was good. He at, had a the good end. Game. at the end, he had yeah. a good game. But you'll take, hey, you'll take that. Yeah. Uh, but like the fact that we're saying shit like we'll take that is alarming about Gurley. <laughs> after after the end of last season, honestly, I'll take that is as positive as I can get because uh, I know we talked about it on the last time I was on this pod, but that Super Bowl is still ingrained in my mind. Just or. Just knowing how ineffective he was, and he was a big reason why, not a big reason why we lost. Yeah, I want to say that. Just not having him be at a hundred percent is a killer for this offense. Yeah, that Super Bowl is the, quite the opposite for me. It has been eviscerated from my mind. Uh, <laughs> it does not exist outside of the score. You're you're one of the lucky ones then. <laughs> but yeah. So other than Gurley, I'd say my other dud is uh, Sean McVay because that offensive play calling today was less like it was suboptimal yeah not his best day uh no, my, not at all. my duds i think i throw Gurley and brown in there my big dud as i mentioned is jameel demby i don't need to kick right. the guy anymore hopefully get black back soon also gerald everett i uh, look this was his game like this was his moment Tyler no, he Higby didn't play and you barely noticed the guy in the field he did make i remember he had a nice catch i don't remember the context of the catch but other than that the, the guy the guy didn't do much i mean with Higby out this if he wanted that job this is the day to go out and prove it maybe Goff just wasn't looking at him but he has been a target Goff is like looking at uh it's just not not the best day from him yeah he only had two targets though so I wouldn't say it's all on him no definitely not I wasn't really focusing on him when I was watching the game so maybe it's him not getting open maybe it's just our offense doesn't really run through tight ends in general so I'm not gonna put all the blame on him uh, again, going back to PFF, he's he was the number five ranked tight end coming into today, and <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> he must be like the best blocker in the world because I just do not see it. Well, we just gave a blocking tight end eight million dollars, so oh yeah, 
<laughs> we just love throwing money around, honestly. Paying Goff, paying Gurley, paying, you know, he, here's just a bag of cash. But we won't pay our good offensive linemen. No. Nope. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to, like, look at a reason why some of us were not just expect, like, didn't give the Rams a pass for just going with Allen and Nope with the next man up mentality, look at this, look at what Cleveland did today. This is why people were concerned about the offensive line because yeah. this could be us. And we didn't look good today up front. I, I, when their worst game was not nearly their best game. Uh, but I do want to end on a note here, Kev. Yeah. We just spent kind of an hour shitting on the Rams a little bit. Oh boy. We, <laughs> I did not even realize that. <laughs> we need to we need to take a step back and just remember okay. like we're three and zero. All right. Yeah. The positives. The reasons we're being critical is because this team is a super goal contender. And three years ago nobody gave a shit. Like any any win was a win. Uh and now we're we're taking wins and we're breaking them down and we're we're looking for what could be improved, why things didn't work. Uh, just remember, guys, the sky, the sky is not falling. Uh, there are concerns, but, like, it would be a shock to me if we didn't make the playoffs. Uh, even with, like, even if everything we mentioned didn't get fixed. If that doesn't happen, I don't think we go to the Super Bowl, but we're going to be playing in January. It, I'd be shocked if we're not playing in January. No, easily. Uh, <laughs> I just looked at our schedule one more time, and... <laughs> I'm not going to rule out 16-0 with how bad, like, even though we look so bad, not so bad, but not great through these first three weeks, we have a weirdly good schedule for a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. Like, Buccaneers at Seahawks, kind of rough, but we usually play them pretty well. Home versus 49ers at Falcons. Falcons don't look that good. Home versus Bengals at Steelers without Big Ben. Home versus the Bears in primetime against Trubisky, which I'll take that all day. Home versus the Ravens, which is probably our toughest matchup of the year. Another primetime game. Yep. At Cardinals, home versus Seahawks. At Cowboys, our next toughest game with the Ravens. And then at 49ers, home versus Cardinals. Like, there's not there's an outside chance we could go 16-0 and still look kind of bleh. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I, it's crazy because going into the year, it was a tough schedule because you kind of thought the AFC North would have three good teams, and you kind of thought the NFC South would have three good teams. And oh, yeah. both of those divisions have one good team. So, like, that's that's kind of how it worked out for us. But you do got to factor in, though, that the divisional games will be tougher than we expected, I think, with Seattle and with Fortnite. Oh, yeah. Seattle kind of got their ass kicked a little bit by Teddy B today. Yeah, that's so, the only reason I'm saying that. Like, Seattle didn't look so hot today. Their defense, uh, they were missing a couple corners, but – uh the offense just is kind of like Chris Carson's fumbling. They're kind of relying a little too much on Russ uh, late in the game, trying to make too many. Like, he made the plays, but it was in garbage time. And I like I'm not too scared of them. They'll probably beat us because I'm saying this right now. But yeah, the division's not too crazy, even with the three and 49ers. Yeah, I mean, like I, I kind of expect. Nothing less than twelve and four with that schedule. Yeah, no, I, that should be our benchmark, right? Like that—that's what at least what we should reach. Yeah, let's hope so. All right, Kev. Yeah. Get the people where they could follow you on Twitter and anything else you want to plug. Okay, well, uh, my Twitter at is at Rotosurgeon R O T O and then Surgeon. No, uh, no spaces or anything. Uh, I'm always there, uh, sometimes talking shit about the Rams, so if you're averse to that, don't bother. But uh, I got some bad puns as well, so feel free to hit hit a follow. Talk to me on there whenever you want. I'm always up for a chat. Uh, But yeah, other than that, that's all I got. Uh, Rotoballer is where my writing's at. You can catch me and Steve, you know, giving our hot fantasy takes all day, so. Absolutely. And uh, of course, if you want to Read a lot of tweets praising Aaron Jones. Oh, Kev. oh, yeah. Aaron Jones, James Washington, and Ronald Jones are my boys. So do not come at me with any negativity in regards to those three in particular. <laughs> Ronald Jones. <laughs> I am not, I'm not going down that rabbit hole right now. Uh, Road <laughs> season, baby. Uh, I'm, I'm of the mindset that he should be getting the ball and not Peyton Barber. I'm not of the mindset that he's good. Uh, but... <laughs> We're not going down that. Uh, I, 
I will throw some hands if you keep talking like that. <laughs> I'm sure we got a lot of USC fans listening, uh, so I think they'll be happy with your Ronald, Ronald Jones praise. Oh, yeah. Shout out to the Trojans. 3-1, uh, and one, huge win over Utah, 10th-ranked Utah back in the back in the rankings this week. I don't believe in Clay Helton whatsoever, but this season's been quite the ride so far. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't love Clay either, but uh, <laughs> all right guys, don't forget to follow Kev at Rotosurgeon. Don't forget to follow me at C Barbero. Uh follow Rams Talk at Talk Rams. Follow Johnny when he's back at Johnny Five Not Six. Uh, and don't forget we're having shows all week. You're gonna get a show every day this week, except for Saturday. So stay tuned. This coverage is due for you. You got plenty more coming. We'll talk to you guys soon. Tell Bye. Sean Payton, keep Peace talking. We're gonna see him soon. You feel me? control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.